sensational. How about superb? Hello and welcome to another Manchester United podcast. I'm Sam Homewood, complimented by my co-hosts Helen Evans and David May. Very nice to see you both. Nice to see you too, Sam. Your co-hosts. Well, it's, I'm also a co-host. We're all... Oh, is this like your podcast? No, this is the United podcast. <laughs> Sam's right. got his own song. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. I we turned don't. on the TV the other day. I didn't even plan on bringing this up, but seeing as we're talking <laughs> about it, uh, Sunday morning, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Sam was on Scrambled on ITV. Are we allowed to say that <laughs> he was on Scrambled on ITV? And there were he's actually got his own song. Yeah, how's it go? Goes, Can't remember. He's cool. He's tall. He's smarter than you all. It's Sam. In fact, so, you would you like me to play Sam. it for you? No, it's Sam. I don't think people need that. I don't think. Do you know what, Sam? Yeah. Give the people what they want. Yes. I think this is what people would like to hear, but you're probably going to hear my kids in the background. Were they singing? No. No, they were were actually shouting, get it off. There you go. Yeah. I knew you would be able to hear my kids in the background. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how we got onto that. No, that was Maisie. He was getting upset because I said co-hosts. Yeah, your co-hosts. Well, and Helen and I are your co-hosts. That's how it works. Ooh. <laughs> well, that's put me in my place. Do you know who's got a song? Yeah, go on. Wayne Rooney. He certainly does. Yeah, <laughs> well done, Helen. Great work. Uh, so right now we are at Old Trafford in the Trafford Suite. Yeah, and very nice up here, actually. I've never it? been in the suite before. You've never been here? Don't think so. Well, that surprises me greatly. I actually don't think I've ever been in the suite. Don't you? Although yeah. things do look different on match days, but I'm pretty yeah. sure I haven't. Okay, cool. That's quite fun, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, we are sat by some big glass windows overlooking the Old Trafford turf. It's slightly dark outside as the sun is beginning to set. There's a little bit of wind, I can tell, because the flags are waving. Right. Maisie, what does it feel like looking out there? Pitch looks good, doesn't it? Pitch is immaculate, yeah. Yeah, we've got the big machines on, the, um, mm-hmm. kind of like a huge sunbeds. Help the grass grow because obviously it's don't get that much light there. <laughs> cool. Yeah, there you go. Something out of Star Wars, it looks it like. Does. There you go, something yeah. out of Star Wars. Um, so, Helen, we've talked about this quite a lot while we've been waiting to do this. Mm-hmm. We don't really know how to go about this, do we? No, because what can you ask someone who's been asked mm-hmm. everything? Yeah. I'm asking you, Sam. Well, that's the challenge, what isn't it? do you yeah. ask? Yeah. Seeing that you're the main Because you will <laughs> You will have some questions up your sleeves. Well, I mean, I you know try to think of some. I've also um, uh, messaged Wes Brown, and mm-hmm. he's sent me some questions. So I'll have to try and put those in as well. Yeah. And they're questions that I wouldn't have known and, and wouldn't have asked. Ooh, friends, but... <laughs> what's wrong with you today? <laughs> it's a name dropping, isn't it? You know, me and Skulls, and now me and Wes. But I mean, Skulls, you're good friends. You know and, that. You and Wes are shortly. Uh, yeah. yeah. After today. Uh, but yeah. Very um, difficult, though, to mm-hmm. ask him anything that we don't already know. But that's why we're the best. Glad one of my co hosts is taking this seriously. No, I think Wayne will be great. He will. We actually had Wayne on Thursday Focus um, yes. when we did that show on MUTV. It must have been about five years ago now. Mm-hmm. And he was great. He was really up for a laugh mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, he was great. I was, uh, I was watching earlier some, um, some former players talking about Wayne Rooney. Mm hmm to try and maybe there might be something useful to bring to the conversation. As you say, it's difficult to find uh, something new. And Ryan Giggs was in it. And one of the first things he said was, oh, I found out about him because he played in the reserves against David May. He did. Me and, uh, me and Nev, it was. Me and mm-hmm. Gaz. Over in Witness or something like that, where they used to play. Yeah. Young whippersnapper, 16-year-old. You could tell then he was going to be a great player. So hang on, who were you playing for? United Reserves. Oh, you were playing for the Reserves? Yeah. 
me and Gaz. Ah. And, um, How old were you? I would have been around, yeah, I'd say about 31, 32, something like that. And um, you could see then what oh, he sort was of player. 16? He was 16, yeah. I did not know that story. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah. yeah no, me neither. Um, also, to about him being 16, like, just looking into his career, at every level, he just broke records. Yeah, I know. Phenomenal Just player. constantly. Phenomenal. Yeah. Incredible player. Debut hat-trick, overhead kick versus City. Mm-hmm. One of only two Englishmen to win the Premier League, the League Cup, the FA Cup, the Champions League, the Europa League, and the FIFA Club World Cup. Michael Carrick being the other. Just does it all. Stop man, Sam. He has got to be one of the most requested players. We do say this all the time, but we do mean it. There is a lot of players who are requested and Wayne yeah. Rooney is up there. Yeah, Wayne Rooney, Sir Alex. Ronaldo. Yeah, Zlatan. Keane. Yeah. Beckham. Those are the big ones. Speaking of Joaquin, sorry. No, because oh, yeah. that's going to make me look like an idiot. Has anybody actually um, come across Keane over the last couple so of I weeks? So I tell you what, I was here for the game against Arsenal. I was mm-hmm. doing the coverage and I could see Roy Keane. He was uh, on the Sky Sports stand and Tasker was messaging me going, Roy Keane is at Old Trafford, you're at Old Trafford, go and speak to him. But because of the COVID regulations, I couldn't access the part of the stadium he was in to go and ask him. So I couldn't, but I was up for it. And if I'd seen him, I'd have been like, Roy, get on the podcast. You'll absolutely love it. Everyone will love it. Let's do it. And he'd have been like, yeah. But obviously, I didn't get the opportunity. Um, but no one else has seen him, have they? No. Matt, you sh- Helen, you sure? <laughs> you didn't convince him on a walk? I did. I actually went for a walk last week. <laughs> and I saw him coming towards me. But I don't know him. And he doesn't know me. And social distancing. Sure, that's true. We're in lockdown. Yeah. Didn't want to approach the man, make him feel uncomfortable by getting mm. close. Were you so just, he Be honest. Were you just a bit scared of Roy Keane? <laughs> yeah, I was not asking him. She don't like dogs. Yeah, it's true. He's walking his dogs. So he just got Don't a bit scared. Don't say on the podcast. Dogs. People will judge me. Yeah, that's true. They will. Why? Yeah, people will be much harder. Why because you don't like dogs? Oh, you can't tell people you don't like dogs. Why do you tell people you don't like dogs? They're like, what? Yeah. Like as if you're some sort of insensitive, weird human. Take it out. I mean it. Yeah. Take Roy Keane out too. <laughs> Somebody just starts swearing to this, but can't go in. Anywho, uh, today's guest uh, is Wayne Rooney. Anywho. Okay. He is his country's all-time greatest goal scorer. He's Manchester United's all-time greatest goal scorer, and he's our guest. Here he is, Swain Rooney. Do you drive to Derby every day, or do you have a driver? Yeah, no driver. Are you driving it every day? It's not too bad. Now, now it's thirty. Sorry. So I don't look. I, I just learned to drive. I'm, I'm happy. Do more Sam's driving just, conversations. Sam's just passed his test. Yeah. Why did you not drive up here today? I haven't driven on a motorway yet. Oh, I knew. Do you know? No, what? I'm not, I, I have no trepidation. I'm not scared of driving on a motorway. I just haven't done it yet. Why have you only just how old here? Thirty two. <laughs> Why have you only just passed it? I don't know. I've just never done it. Uh, and before one of the others tells you, I've only learned in an automatic. Oh yeah. So that's the only driving I can do. All right, let's start. Yeah, sorry. Wayne Rooney, welcome to the Manchester United podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Good. I'm good. Long time no see. Uh, when was the last time you were back here? I think it was last season sometime. I can't, I th- it was the Before m- lockdown. C- the City game, yeah, I think mm-hmm. it was. In the League Cup, was it semi-final? I think that was, yeah. the last time, that was the last time I was here, yeah. Have you still got your box here? <laughs> no. Oh. No, no I just saw his box. I don't know. Tasker told me he did. I thought he did. No, I haven't got it. Um, you'll be on about me agent. agent. So we, I had one. He had one. So he still got one here. But I don't think I'd get a group of scousers <laughs> coming to Old Trafford <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not playing. Um, well, we were told that we were going to be in your box today, but it wasn't your box then. It was actually Paul Stratford's. Um, how does it feel coming back? I suppose in a way, it feels a little bit like home every time you come here and drive up. Yeah, I think obviously I was at the club for so long and. 
So it's great when you come back. Um, obviously, today's a little bit different. Obviously, with lockdown and there's not many people here. But when when I've come back to go and watch a game or take one of my kids to watch a game, it's great to see some faces you haven't seen for a long time and and um, some of the staff um, who you work day in day out with for for years. So it's um, it's always a nice feeling and um, always very welcome. I'm just going to continue with the question. Sorry, Please, guys. Yeah, Do you listen to podcasts? Sometimes, yeah. I've been listening to James English, his podcast recently. Um, he's got various... Anthony Crawler's just done one. He's, oh, I think he's yeah. just done the latest one with him, but he's got various... Um, Sporting stars? No, people who... There's some from the drug world. And oh, so right. there's different characters he, he does them with, but they're really good. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to ours? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I was always going to do the next question. I, you know what? I haven't. I apologise. See all those times you're driving to Derby. This is the time now to listen to the podcasts. Well, thank you for joining us for the podcast. I'll let someone else ask a question now. What was life growing up, Liverpool? Is yeah, it a nice area where you're from. Yeah, great area. Um, no, it was. I think it was a time in my life which I loved. I loved. I loved my childhood growing up and. Um, it's similar, I'd say it's similar to some areas here um, in Salford or yeah. Longside where it's a it's a little community and everyone knows each other and everyone, you know, trusts each other within that area. My childhood was, yeah, football was, I'd done it every day as much as I could and it's, I knew from an early age really that that's what I wanted to do. Have you always been good? Yeah, right. False modesty aside, because we always ask people, like, what was it like? And they always go, yeah, you know, different age groups. But I've got a stat here that when you, in your first season at Everton, it was what, under eights or under nines, you scored 114 goals in 29 games. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I think in them games, <laughs> you, there's a lot of goals scored. And yeah, obviously, if you can get the ball off the floor, then the keepers, are, they can't get it. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, yeah, I think I've always been. I knew I've always been a good player. Yeah. But there was there was other kids in the school as well who who were good, and I think it weren't really till I was fourteen where I I thought got a chance. I could I could go and play, do this. Is that was all, or is that something you've always wanted to do? Yeah. Be football. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I'd love to. What was you like at school? I couldn't play for the school. Um, Everton banned me. Right. So, Do you mean educationally, though? I was thinking <laughs> of education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, education. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, so I've always been. I didn't do any exams. No. Um, my last year in school, I was coming out for different days to go and train with Everton. I've always been clever enough, quite smart. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed history and religious education and maths and the other lessons. I don't know. I didn't really no. didn't like them, but yeah, I enjoyed school. Um, was you a good kid at school though? Not really. No. No, <laughs> um, no I, I was probably, to be honest, I, I Just think the way, kid, I, like, yeah. the way I think you, if you see me as a young player, the way I, I played, I was probably similar off the pitch as well. So, which I weren't the nicest of, of, yeah. of people, but sometimes I think we, when you grow up and where you grow up, that can come out in your character yeah. as well. Did the love of football come from your dad or what was it from family members or was it just from the area everybody played yeah, football? Yeah, my dad will say it's from him, but <laughs> my dad's when my dad when I don't think, well, I don't think he was a great player. Um, my dad was always into boxing, my dad boxed. Um, my uncle's cousins all boxed, but they all loved football, they loved Everton. So I think that was put into me by my dad and my uncles. Um, and various people throughout my family. But I, I couldn't say 
Could you have been a boxer? I, I doubt no. it. Yeah, I doubt it. I loved it. I loved going yeah. and training and um, and fighting, whatever. It's something which, and I honestly believe that doing that boxing from a young age allowed me to play professional football well, at sixteen. Yeah. From doing it, me mm. me legs built got strong, and um, so I, I I believe that was through the boxing training. How did you end up getting scouted by Everton in the first place? Um, I was playing for me local team and. I actually got scouted by Liverpool first. Mm-hmm. Would, so that, would that have been an option? I went. Okay. I went to Liverpool. Um, so I was nine. Um, my dad told me that Liverpool scout had been in touch. So I, went, I actually only went once. I went done a training session. I was in my full Everton kit. <laughs> and then literally, I think it was that night or the next day, the Everton scout got in touch with my dad and asked for me to go there. And straight away, I knew I was going to Everton. And then, yeah, I was obviously there from nine, but it was going to Liverpool. It was a strange one because I hated them. And but if that was if that Your was a way to, in, to yeah. go into an academy, yeah. then obviously I would have done it. What was it? What was it like when you arrived at Everton? And I suppose you're playing football at, a, at young age groups, and you're just enjoying it, and you're getting stuck in, and just going unbelievable amounts of goals but then suddenly I guess is the coaching at a higher level do you notice that are the players you're playing with a bit better are the goalkeepers a bit taller yeah I think obviously the, the quality is better than um, me f- me, I think it was my first season as you said I scored a lot of goals and they put me in the older age group the year above myself and the year after that they put me two years above my age group which helped me massively because obviously Two years is a big difference in a kid's mm-hmm. um, growth, and um, a lot of the the players were stronger than me, so I had to find different ways to to create my own space and not basically not let them get close to me because physically I weren't at their level. Mm-hmm. Who did you pretend to be in the playground when you were at school? Who was your um, hero? Gaza, a lot. Is that where Waza comes from? No, no, no. Um, I don't know. I think it was. I think it was the United lads actually when oh, I was really? at England in the first team. And then, because at Everton, they never called me Wazza. Oh, really? No. So it was more from yeah, when I came to United. What was that then? <laughs> the dog. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, don't ask me why. I don't know. But, um, so Gaza was the player that you. Yeah, like, I think Duncan Ferguson obviously was yeah. played for Everton. He was uh, someone who. You just loved having in your team his his character. He fifed the team, and and at the time, Fight we were, everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> at the time we were in a great team. But guys, I think Gaza, obviously playing for England, Alan Shearer as well, um, scoring goals. So there was yeah different people, and it might have been. I remember Tony Yeboa scoring his volley against Liverpool, then his volley against Wimbledon. Um, so you go out and you try and do that as well. So there was different people mm-hmm. along the the way, but in the main. Um, I love the way guys are played. Were you one of those kids growing up that was obsessed with football? Like, would you always watch Match of the Day and if there was a game on telly, it didn't matter who was playing, would you always be watching or did you just enjoy your football and then just get on with life? Yeah, no, I was obsessed with it. I used to um, watch every game, still mm-hmm. do today, um, watch every game. Um, like, when when I finish a game now, I go home, uh, I watch the game back all the time. And um, I can't understand young players these days um, I speak to players in my team um, when I was at United and I say oh did you, anyone watch the game last night and they look lost and like who played and like it's, it's crazy I don't know how 
Since at Everton, there was a time where Man United were playing Liverpool. I think it was Saturday, 12.30. And we were playing Sunday. So we were in for training. And then after the session, I've gone straight into the players' lounge to sit down and watch the game. And not one player come in. And um, I went down at half-time and they're there playing two-touch. And I'm thinking, it's one of the biggest games yeah. you can watch. Why would you not watch to, to try and learn or just to enjoy, enjoy, it. enjoy the game? Yeah. yeah. We were just talking actually before you came in. I can't remember how we got onto the conversation, but I'm just thinking about you and your own kids and going a, lot, a little bit off track. But obviously you just always had that natural ability to score goals. And we were saying, can you ever teach that? And some people say that you can't. Do you ever try and teach that to your kids? Or even teammates? <laughs> um, teammates, yeah. Um, it's difficult. But yeah, I think with, with my eldest boy now, he's 11, he's... He's loved football. He's been into football for the last three or four years, and um, I, 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 it's, I need to get the balance right in because obviously he sees me play and he's seen me play obviously a lot, a lot of times. And I know from experience with coaches I've had, and sometimes they're, they're still kids, they're still young boys, and just let them play. They'll develop. Mm-hmm. Let the coaches coach them um, because it, it is a lot of pressure trying to. Um, I know from being there, I nearly quit when I was 13 over a, a situation with a coach. It's a lot of pressure. So I think the big thing for me is let them play. And once they get to an age where it could become more serious, then obviously I, I'll, I'll try and help. But I think um, you need to respect the coaches as well. I don't mm-hmm. think it's it's right that if his coach is telling them something, then I'm, sell, I'm telling them something different and it could just confuse them. But when you were that, when you were young... Did anybody ever teach you? Do you remember people teaching you how, not obviously how to score goals, you know how to do that, but do you know what I'm trying to say? Or was it just yeah. always so natural for you that nobody no, even had I've, to help I've and never, coach you? I've never looked at myself ever as a natural goal scorer. Um, I think, obviously, I've scored a lot of goals in my career, but I'd, I've never, I'd never say I was a Michael Owen, a Guy Lineker, mm. Harry Kane type player where... A lot, obviously, Kane's adjusted his game a little bit recently, but I've enjoyed the game too much to to be. I've done it twice at Man United in two seasons, um, where I was the number nine and the solo number nine, and I scored a lot of goals. But to be honest, I remember coming off off the pitch and thinking I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the game. I enjoyed scoring, obviously, and, and obviously winning if we win, but I didn't enjoy the game. I, I found it difficult to. Just wait up the pitch and, mm. and it's important, obviously, and you need to be patient in that. But I like to get involved a bit more. Than, yeah. um, and I think that's obviously allowed me over the last year or two years um, to drop back into midfield and, and and be able to play there as well. When you put your goal scoring records into context and that you had that attitude and that you did only play two seasons as a number nine, it makes them even more incredible that you would be... England's leading goal scorer, Man United's leading goal scorer, the Premier League's second leading goal scorer, only one of two people to score 200 Premier League goals, most Premier League goals at a single club. Like, they're absolutely incredible. And you did it not playing as an outright number nine against people whose whole careers were just staying on the on the edge of the last man trying to score goals. Have, did you ever think, or have you ever thought, like, what your numbers would be if you had, if you'd, if you'd enjoyed that position? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but I think... For instance, if, as you say, I've had I've had time. Mm-hmm. I've had a, obviously a, a long career. I've had time to 
to get the Man United record, the England record, um, most capped outfield player mm -hmm. um, for England. Where, for instance, in two years' time, Harry Kane will, bad an injury, will pass my record um, because he's more of a, a natural goal scorer than what I am. Ru Van Nistelrooy would, if he had more time here, he would have went on to get the record. So it's not something, obviously, it's great. I'm, I'm proud, um, really proud to have them records, but. It's not something to look at and think, right? You never it, want it to be. Yeah, it, it says Man United's greatest goal scorer, but I'm, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm Man United. I wouldn't say I'm Man United's greatest goal scorer, mm. but the numbers you say that. But you have to get that time, then you have to earn that time. Yeah, no, of course. I'm, and it's it's not easy to mm -hmm. to play certainly at Man United for 13 years, and the team keeps changing, players come in, players come out. It's it's not an easy thing to do. So. That in itself is an achievement, um, but yeah, I think you. I try and do all I, what I can and enjoy the game. First of all, that's something I always say to to players: if you enjoy the game, then you'll perform better. I feel like this is a good question while we're in this chat. Where was your favourite position, or where is your favourite position? Where did you most enjoy the game of football? When I was younger, um, I think number ten was me me best position. I could I could dip in and out of midfield. Obviously, joining with the with the striker, so that was the position uh, I enjoyed most, um, playing number 10. Um, hated playing wide right. <laughs> Didn't mind wide left. Wide right was um, played there. Because of what? What's the difference? I don't know. Is it, just I think you ask a lot of players, yeah. It's just something I didn't enjoy. It's, it's, it almost feels like the, the pitch closes in on you. And remember, um, we played Real Madrid away, and they had Marcelo left back and Ronaldo left wing. And um, the manager saying to me, um, obviously, keep track of Marcelo when he goes forward and when you can't double up on Cristiano. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, but yeah, it's, there's been a few times where obviously there's roles you, you do on that previous, on that, that night to try and obviously get the result of the team, but hated him. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so we go back to Everton. Uh, when you were 15, you played in the under-19s. At this sort of point, were you thinking, I can make a career out of this? This is this is going to be it. Was there a lot of buzz around you? Did you notice people's attitudes around you changing? Yeah, and I knew I belonged, um, certainly in that under-19 team. And even being honest, I felt I should have been playing in the reserves at that time because I felt that was the level I was, I was playing at. So, yeah, but it still can be a bit um, intimidating when you're playing... You're playing with young men at the time, and it is still quite intimidating. So, um, but I knew I was I was good enough to do that, and um, I had I think one of my biggest strengths was me me confidence in my in my ability to to be able to go and do that and and, and play well. And and um, for instance, the year later at 16, when I went to the first team, I knew I was the best player at the football club, the whole mm -hmm. football club, the whole so, football club. Yeah. So oh it's, my word, I love that. I love that you um, just said that. It was 16. So it, it's, it was... That a was after a game against Maisie, wasn't it? Do you remember that game? I'm still... Uh, no, he never scored against us. My back's... I think that's... I've had a bad back ever since. But that, that was him. Is that, that when was, you realised? That was Maisie using his experience and every other I went up for. I just well, felt him near me back. It was two or three times and... That's yeah. stopping. That's a try and stop him. <laughs> you, you left that part out of the story earlier, didn't you? <laughs> I think the guy never played as well. Girls played right back, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember the team talk. Um, I played twice I played three times to the reserves. 
I think twice was against United. I can't remember the other games against. But I, th- I don't... Because that game was here when you played. Right. Um, and the other one was... I can't remember. It was a... Somewhere like that. And I remember the team talk, because Kaz played in that. The team talk was literally just get into him. We wanted to try and make him go off the pitch injured. Kaz. That was the team talk, yeah. (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. But I I like that you've said that, Mm because a lot of people don't say that, and we that's that's the truth, isn't it? You probably were the best in the whole football club at that age. Yeah, and I remember... My first session um, with the first team and David Unsworth, obviously he's a, a big lad and I'd done a bit of skill and went round him and I could hear him behind me. I was like, <laughs> get back here. <laughs> and then I was thinking, just keep running, don't let him catch you. But um, no, I had, I had a, a confidence that um, I knew I should have been, but I started the first three or four games of the season um, and then he left me out, David Murray's left me out of a game and... Um, I went into his office and looking back now, I'm thinking at 16, I shouldn't really be doing that. But I think that was part of who I was. And I went in and said, why aren't I playing? I should be playing. And so at the time, you don't realise what they're trying to protect you as well and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I think that was part of, of me and my character. I, I hated not playing. And um, yeah, so I ended up with a lot of arguments with David Moyes at the time as well. And um what was his reasoning? Did he give you a reason? Yeah, I was 16. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah we were the best. No, the worst one was we played Liverpool away and he left me out and I just couldn't handle it. It was, I completely snapped and um, that was the one game I wanted to play in and obviously he's t- emotionally, he probably thought I weren't ready. I probably weren't ready, to be honest, at that time to play in it. Um, but at the time when I was looking at it thinking, I can't believe he's left me out and remember coming on, I hit the crossbar, we drew nil-nil. Um, but it would have been nice for Scott. Who, who was up front for them then, for Everton then? Um, we had Kevin Campbell, Thomas Viditsky, so mainly them two, and yeah. Duncan Ferguson was in and out. Talking of feeling like the best player in the football club, uh, it made me think of a story that I listened to earlier, where I think Stephen Jared was saying on your first training camp with England, you chipped David James and got a standing ovation from everybody. Yeah, it was... Um, the same again, really. I remember me not with England and um, being the best. Uh, did you just <laughs> did, did you just sort of think you were like, twelve? I'm sixteen. I'm eighteen. I thought it'd be much harder than this. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I remember it was the February, I think, seventeen. I met up with England, and um, I remember going in thinking, right, um, I can't be shy. I need to. Um, obviously, we weren't going to go in and be the biggest talker off the pitch, but I remember thinking on the pitch just express myself um, it's the only way you're going to fit in because really I'm 17 I probably wouldn't have had anything in common with some of the older lads so mm. the only thing I'd have in common with them is my ability to try and play and um, so that's the mindset I went in with and I remember I think I took a past couple of players and I chipped David James and I remember him just staring at me and he, he, I was thinking Scared. yeah I yeah. <laughs> should have yeah. done that but um, it was quite intimidating but in that session, actually, I um, I forgot my boots. <laughs> um, so, I, well, I, I took boots, but at the time I was wearing umbro. And um, when I picked them up, I think I must have just been excited that I was I was meeting up with England. I picked them up, and when I got there, I had I'm a size nine, so I had a size I think it was ten and a half Steve Watson's boots. So I didn't want to go in and say, listen. If, 
I forgot my boots, 17 year old kid coming in. So you just them? So I wore them, I just strangled. <laughs> <laughs> so I had them off the toilet session while I was waiting for my boots to get delivered. But um, yeah, but no, it was, Fran Jeffers was there as well, which was nice because we grew up in the same area, know each other. So it was nice for us both to, to be there at the same time. Do you look at like your eldest Kai now? He's what, 11 or 12? 11. And think that's him in five years. Like that is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. When it's you, you probably don't, you obviously don't think of it like that. But when you look at another child at that age, it's absolutely crazy. It's 16. Yeah. And um, we've got a, a couple of lads who've, who've trained with us at Derby who's 16. And I, I've, I've done it now. And I'm looking, thinking there's no way they could go in no. at, at Premier League level or international level. And But again, I think that it was more my mentality. I had a really strong character, strong mentality. But again, go back to, to doing the boxing for mm. a, a long period of time. The my legs just completely, and my legs, my hip, me, my bum went massive. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but it, that's where I got yeah. all my power from. Um, I think people when they watch boxing or they see boxing, they think about your arms and mm. your shoulders, whatever. But a lot of that power comes from your legs. Mm. Well, yeah, also, I guess you're you're just a very developed, like younger man. I think probably eighteen year old you was more developed than me now. <laughs> yeah, no, th- but that's I remember. Not so difficult. <laughs> no, I remember being in school at like twelve, thirteen, and shaving and and stuff. And so I was obviously more developed. I think um, my testosterone was really high. Um, so I was a bit more developed in that sense, but. Yeah, I think I was a bit older. I always, I think through playing up in year groups, I was a bit older in my head than than some of the other lads. Yeah, well, that makes a difference. Uh, we should move on. But usually we spend a lot of time going through everybody's journeys and stuff, but you've got so many highs and so much you want to talk about. We'll have to skip some. Uh, so let's talk about Manchester United. When did you first find out United were an option and how difficult was it for you to say yes and leave Everton? Because most people we speak to are either players that have come through the academy here and so this is their dream or uh, players who maybe played abroad and their dream was just get to England, get to the Premier League. But for you, you were at your boyhood club. So... It's sort of a different situation where actually you were choosing to leave. Yeah, it's not so um, black and white as that. No, of course. Of course. Yeah, but um, I knew it was an option before Yordle 2004. I knew that Man United wanted to sign me and I think going to the Yordles, doing well there, probably added a bit more money onto the transfer fee. But yeah, I broke my foot um, and I found out a few things that... Everton were really struggling at the time for money, so I found out a few things that they were listening to offers from people as well. Um, so they were trying to push me to sign for Chelsea um, because they were going to pay the most money. Mm-hmm. Um, but once, obviously, I knew that United were interested, so I wanted some confirmation that they, they did want to sign me. Um, and once I knew they wanted to sign me, uh, that was the only club to work with, with Alex Ferguson to play alongside the likes of Giggs, Roy Keane, Scolzi, um, Rio, these players. Um, I knew this is where I wanted to go. It was, you know, 40 minutes from me, um, me, me home where I grew up anyway as well. So it was it was the perfect fit for me. And um, United actually wanted to wait a year. So they wanted to wait till the following year and then Newcastle come in. But it gone so... The talks with Everton, with myself, had gone too far. I couldn't 
waiting all year. Um, I couldn't stay another year at Everton, so I was prepared to go to Newcastle um, okay. for that year. But um, so I spoke to them. Um, we spoke about salary, and what I, I wanted in there was if I go there after a year, if Man United come in, then you have to let me go. Wow. So um, Newcastle were ag- agreeing to that. And then obviously United, had, I went back to United and said, listen, if you don't do it now, I'll go to Newcastle with this clause in place. So then I think United obviously didn't want me to go there. Um, so they come in then. I never heard of that before. No. This was kind of like going on loan. Yeah, well, that's what it would have been like, like, I guess, wouldn't it? For a team yeah. going on loan. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been a transfer fee as well then? Yeah. So but oh. it, it was basically whatever Newcastle paid for me, yeah. United would have paid yeah. a year later. What were your initial conversations with Sir Alex like? Good. Um, it was a bit, a bit intimidating. Um, yeah, I think he's someone I've watched my whole childhood mm-hmm. growing up and seeing him on TV and winning trophies and and then to be in front of him talking about coming to play for him was was weird. Um but yeah, it's, the minute I spoke to him, um, I knew I wanted to come here and I wanted to play for him. He was the main reason. He mm-hmm. was the reason, basically, I wanted to come play for Man United yeah. to play for him. That was the main reason. What about all your mates back home? I didn't care. Um, Did they not say anything to you? No, the, the, only people I, the only people I spoke to was, um, obviously, me and Clean were young at the time. I spoke to Clean and told her this was where what I was doing and I spoke to my parents because mm-hmm. I knew the impact of, of a scouser leaving yeah, so I mean, yeah. Everton to come to Manchester. I knew it was going to be a difficult moment. Yeah. So, um, and was it a difficult moment? I spoke to... Not not for me. No. For them, um, yeah, for Colleen's parents, my parents, you know, the, the houses, the walls were getting spray-painted, Judas and... So... For them, it was more difficult because they're obviously still in Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and to be honest, it was, I didn't, I'd go back to my parents' house and to Colleen's parents' house, but it probably took four or five years before I actually went back there and, and went to a restaurant or or went out in Liverpool because it was, um, I was, was quite hot headed. Yeah. I remember going back after about a year and I was on the, motor, on the M62. And when you get to the end, there was a couple of lads in the car. Um, I was on my own. And they were shouting out the window, giving me a bit of stick. But then when we went through, we come off the M62 onto Queen's Drive and we stopped at the lights again. So we were off the motorway, so I jumped out and... You op- did? ...opened the car door. <laughs> so if you want to say something, get out the car and say it to me now. And he completely, yeah. like, went quiet. That so, was good. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that, I knew if I went out, if I went to a nightclub at that mm-hmm. time in Liverpool, that was it. Yeah, 100% it would have been fighting. Was that really mm. difficult? Because like you've just said, it wasn't exactly your choice to leave Everton. It was sort of they were going to sell you whatever you did. And even still, you're only a kid as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it went, it was difficult leaving Everton, of course. The club uh, grew up, um, loved the club. My whole childhood mm-hmm. was basically around Everton so in that sense it was difficult but as I said before I, I knew I wanted to I wanted to win trophy I didn't want to be career wise a, a player who stays at, the, at Everton my whole career when I know the it might sound a bit big headed but I knew yeah. I could come here to Man United and 
and be part of something special. I knew I was good enough to to play in this team and I could bring something different to the team. So I was thinking, well, if it's going to happen, why wait two years, three years hmm. for that to happen? Because we weren't going to win anything with Everton. That no. was for sure. When you talk about that mentality and confidence you had growing up, when you came here, met Sir Alex Ferguson, met the players for the first time, did you still have that mentality and confidence or did you go into shell in the first few days? Um, no, I knew quite a few of the players then. Yeah, from so England. Obviously I knew Rio, Guy Neville, Scalzi, um, Phil Neville, Phil Neville was here for a little bit. Um, so I knew them from England, um, Wes. So it went... It was easy for you to settle yeah, then. Yeah, when that hard. I think yeah. the, the main thing for me, I think going in, so I signed for the club because I wanted to play for Alex Ferguson. So when I when I signed, I had a broken foot, so I couldn't go straight into the training with the players. But once once I got training with the team, the main thing for me was impressing Giggsy and Vikeen. Mm. That was I wanted to impress them too. So um, not so much the manager. So I know it sounds a bit strange, but. It was almost like I wanted to win them over. I wanted them to believe in me and feel I was good enough. Um, Sammy McElroy actually said the same mm -hmm. thing, didn't he, when he went on to play with Bobby Charlton and George Best. And that's what he wanted to impress them. Yeah. Yeah. That's who he wanted to impress when he made his debut. So, yeah, so similar um, situation. That was, that was my main thing I wanted to do. So... Um, Obviously, in my first game, I think I'd done that. But, yeah, you did pretty well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, but... No, yeah, it was um, it was great, and I settled in really quickly. Um, as I said, I knew a lot of the lads. And did the fee ever bother you? The fee? No, no. <laughs> to be honest, I don't even know. Or... I still couldn't tell you what the fee was. Um, to be, I know. I think it was originally twenty-five point six. I think is something it? like that with add-ons. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell you Didn't what you, the end fee was. Um, I knew that's football money. Yeah. Um, Changes hands in terms of two teams. I didn't really care less on that. When um, you told us when you were at Everton when you were 16, you thought, um, well, you worked out you were the best player at the club. And I, I mean this genuinely, at what point, because it's definitely true, did it occur to you that that was true here? I didn't feel that way. <laughs> um, it was more at Everton, it was more, I, got, I knew I was the best player at the mm -hmm. club. and. It was like I was, I was, it was almost like I loved my time there, loved playing there, but it was like I was waiting for something bigger, something better. Um, it was a weird feeling. When I come here, it was, it was almost like a plan of, we were a team just going through a transition. Obviously, Ronaldo coming the year before, Fletch was still a young lad. So we, we were a team growing, trying to get to that next level and, it was more a focus on that, so I never actually thought I'm the best player at the team here. I think my first season, second season, probably was the best player in terms of... You might have been the best player in the world at that point. I was for performing. A, for a, I think for a there was a time where possibly I was in the round there, but mm -hmm. it, it wasn't something my focus was on, just just winning, just winning, um, winning trophies, and that was all I was thinking how we're going to do that. And that's probably, as we go a bit further down the line, um, that's probably why my relationship with Sir Alex took a little bit of a, a hit because of me trying, to, me trying to think of the bigger picture mm -hmm. when 
as obviously he told me, it was none of my business. <laughs> uh, well you can tell me this is none of my business uh, can you talk us through the ripped shirt that you wore on your debut and what it was like to make your debut for United and your debut in the Champions League and hit a hat-trick yeah the ripped shirt one's an easy one there. I've been injured since the Euro so I think it was two and a half months so I'd done a lot of work in the gym and my neck wasn't fitting is that really what it was? <laughs> so that's all that was uh, fat neck it, it fitted in but it was like really tight so I was like I need to do something yeah. so I ripped um, yeah so I, I ripped I just ripped it to to make sure I was comfortable um, but yeah I remember the, the build up to the game because I think it was, was it Middlesbrough the game before I remember pestering the manager saying I'm fine, let me play, or let me be on the bench, I'm fine. And I think he was going to put me on the bench, and then he said, do you know what, just leave this game, get another couple of days training in, and I'm going to start here in the Champions League. So I was like, fine. Um, trained, and then obviously the game coming, I was just just so excited to be playing football again. I hadn't played, obviously, since the Euros, and um, to be stood in the tunnel, I could... I could I could feel and hear the anticipation from the crowd and I knew it was a it was a big night for me because as I said before, being a scouser playing for Man United, mm. I knew I had to win the fans over because if it didn't go well, it was probably a player who was gonna get given less time than maybe someone else was because of that. So um but yeah, I'd never I never thought obviously my first game would end up the way it did. Did you ever worry that you weren't going to win the fans over because you're from Liverpool? The, it, that was in the back of my head, yeah. Um, it was something which I thought about and was thinking. But then, so it was almost like I was talking to myself in, in some ways where I'm like, I know what football fans want to see. So mm -hmm. You I believed knew, in I, your ability yeah, enough that and, that would win over? Ability aside, I knew I worked hard. I knew I, I give everything for the team. And I know fans, they, they respect that, they expect it. So as long as you're doing that... I knew my build ability would get me to a place where that's the basics I need to do is work hard. But I knew if I played to the ability, I expected myself that that naturally that would, that relationship would grow and grow and, and get better. How do you? How would you uh, summarise your relationship with the fans at Old Trafford and, and with United fans globally? Yeah, I think it's it's good. I think it's it obviously took a a hit in two thousand and ten. Um, when I asked to leave the club, um, which I get, I understand um, the frustration from the fans over that. And um, but I think again there was other things which was going on, and I had frustrations of myself with the way the club was going. We'd sold Tevez, we sold Ronaldo, and United had asked me, um, offered me a new five-year deal. So that was going to be my last contract, really, of of big contract where I was probably coming into the peak of me of my career and really I wanted assurances of we're selling these players who are we going to bring mm -hmm. in um, because are we going to build for the next three years which then basically I think we need to to go for players who are proven players so that was where I was at and I think rightly so the manager told me it was none of my business which I said, that's fine. I completely respect your decision on that and you're the manager. Um, but if you can't give me them assurances, then um, it's best to leave the club. 
So it was all quick and it's something I regret now, obviously. Um, I went to speak to David Gill then um, after that. And obviously he was a bit more calmer than, than what Sir Alex was at the time. And I think it was two or three days down the line that mm-hmm. I'd actually signed the deal. So it was all something which happened really quickly and probably decisions were getting made um, on emotions rather than, you know, really sitting down and thinking them through. Do you regret that decision because of the way it left you and Sir Alex at that period? I know obviously it was was fine in the end, but do you regret it for, for that aspect? Do you regret it personally? Do you regret it coming out? What do you regret about that? Yeah, because you took a lot I of think, flack, you and your family at that time too, didn't you? Yeah, like protests and, th- and stuff. I, I think um, in terms with the manager, I always had a, a great relationship with the manager, and I think um, after that, there was times where, like most games at halftime, me and the manager had each other. I think the manager loved that, and he knew. Doing that to me was getting a message to other players as well, Giggsy a lot of the time as well. So it was me and Giggsy um, and the manager always had each other, basically. <laughs> um, and then after that, I think that went a little bit, which, but always after, when that was happening, always after the game, like the manager might walk down the bus and give you a slap on the back of the head to, that's his way of saying, that's it. That's, that's over, uh, yeah. move on. And so that was always, the case but then I think after that it was obviously I still to this day got great respect for the manager but there was just them little moments in dressing mm-hmm. rooms which um, were missing a little bit which um, where he's giving everybody else in the changing room a high five and misses <laughs> you out no no he, he still he <laughs> never got to that point but it was just a something which was was still there but as I said um, yeah but that's your character though isn't it yeah exactly so it, it almost took a, a a bit of that out of me and mm. a bit out of him as well in, in that sense. And, um, but I think it, it is what it is. And um, I think the important thing was we got it sorted out quite quickly and, and moved on and obviously went on. I think the next year we won the league again. So In that few days of you saying to the gaffer, right, you want to leave or to David Gill, did you have any options of going anywhere else or did you have anything lined up or could you have gone anywhere? Yeah, there was, I think it was... you're probably one of the best players in the world, so... Yeah, no, I think it was... (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it was obviously well documented the um, Chelsea were were in and Mourinho wanted to sign me. There was a game, wasn't there? I think it was here where we played them and it seemed like it from the outside anyway, the media certainly read into it that he he didn't play a forward in his starting 11 and that was read to be him saying... Wayne, here's a space. There's yeah. a big hole no, here. I don't about that. No, but um, there was um, Real Madrid in Barcelona. So there was t- teams who, and um, Man City thing keeps cropping up, and it was like there was there was never an option for me to go there. But obviously, that was there was rumours on that as well. Um, but the other three really were the more realistic options. I was ready to. I was in my head at the time in that two-day period, basically, I was ready to go and play in Spain. I was just going to say that um, because is that where something... Where would you go? Ideally, I would have liked to have come to Barcelona. Barcelona. Um, but it was looking more likely to be Real Madrid than Barcelona. Um, 
but then Chelsea was always there as well. So it was, um, yeah. It's but after a couple of days, I, I spoke to David Gill again, and actually, when you said about the protests, people at my house, I'd actually already agreed to sign a new contract. Well, that's turned up. Should have so, just went out and told them. <laughs> I know, but it was, it was. I was just thinking, Jesus, three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I didn't fancy going out and um, trying to have <laughs> yeah. 20 or 30 lads with the hoods up down. I think everything was immediately forgotten, though, because you scored that overhead kick against City, which is maybe the greatest goal ever scored in this stadium. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think it was immediately forgotten. I think I could... No, I could feel my first few games, I could feel the tension and I could feel some fans were still... Still some fans to this day, probably, as well, who won't get over it, won't fully get over it and I get that I understand that as a um, as a fan you that's your club and you you understand I understand that situation but from my point of view it was just about getting my head down and working hard and and trying to perform and score goals but if you think of the bigger picture behind it all all you wanted was Manchester United to do well to bring in better players or yeah to bring in better players to progress because you're a winner you yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, but I think and as you say, it, you know, I know at the time that's what I wanted and but yeah it's it probably went my place as a young lad to be going into Sargs Ferguson's office and saying that um, which I understand can I just ask you just off topic on that you, you mentioned about going to Spain not that I'm saying your career's over after being at Derby but is there a part of you that thinks you would love to have gone and done that at one stage in your career? Spend some time in a different country? Because lots of players are America. doing it now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that for three years. It's just That's not Europe, though. Yeah, it's not, it's not quite Spain and playing at that no, level. No, but you know what it? I mean? Across in Europe? Yeah, no, I think at the time, I was. you're looking at like clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona, and, and once... It, and to be honest, it was a two or three days where... There was communication um, between myself and, and them and um, all my, rep- my team and them. And um, I remember sitting down for one day thinking, imagine playing in that Barcelona team. Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, and just thinking... And at, at the time, Messi weren't playing the way he plays now as a four, a, a nine, for instance. Yeah. He was playing out wide and... Um, I was thinking I could have slotted in perfectly, could have come to the ball as well and mm. plays run behind. So I remember thinking about that. And, um, but yeah, obviously, I think for me, the, the biggest thing was it was sorted out and I had good conversations mm. with David Gill, yeah. um, obviously, to get it sorted. I'm going to change the conversation again now. Um, so I, I messaged someone today saying I was doing this and turns out they're a huge fan of yours. And uh, they said, oh, I've got a question. Please ask him this. So this is from Wes Brown. He says, who burnt my trainers? He gave me no contacts for that, <laughs> but he asked me to ask you. Um, there was a few times things happened to his trainers and his clothes, so it, it, it's 100% it was me or Fletch. Or probably both of us. But no, I remember um, he come in, Wes, he come in a few times, and obviously he's where Wes as well now, so you know what he's like, and... He come in in these brand new white trainers, and he's like he's walking around the dressing room with them, and he's he's happy with himself. So me and Fletch went and got a, a big knife from the kitchen. <laughs> so we've done like a perfect cut right down the middle of his trainers, 
and then pushed it back together. <laughs> <laughs> so he's gone in the shower. So me and Fletcher, like, we're sat, me and Fletcher were sitting next to each other in the locker, so we sat there, like, just sat back looking, like, as if we're talking, but looking over. So he's put his clothes on and he's ready. Then he's gone to pick his training up by the heel. And he's just got, like, half the training there. <laughs> he was fuming. And then we used to play, if he'd come in, like, he used to wear a lot of white T-shirts, so we'd get strawberries and play darts with his T-shirt and stuff. But, yeah, it was, a, it was me and Fletch. It was one of us, definitely. <laughs> Well, you'd be delighted. I'm sure that you've answered. <laughs> is that your friend? Yeah, it's my friend. Was yeah, Brown. my friend. In terms of that connection you had as a team, we've talked to a lot of players who won the Champions League. And they say the connection that you all have still to this day, you've still got the same WhatsApp group. Did you feel that real bond with that team players like Wes at that time and Fletch? Yeah, I think we almost had two groups. In the dressing room, we had Giggsy, Scalzi, Gaznev. Um, the elder ones. The older <laughs> ones, yeah. <laughs> and then behind them, you had myself, Rio, um, Fletch, Wes, Shazy. So we almost had this second group who we had high demand. Obviously, the lads, Giggsy and them lads, have been there for many years and won a lot of things. And they set real good examples. And then for those lads below, we were we knew we were the next ones to Step as they were shoes, as yeah. they were phasing out the older mm -hmm. ones we were the next group to to almost take over and I think Giggsy and Gaz and they seen that so they almost allowed it to happen as well mm -hmm. allowed that transition of us taking over really to happen but the problem was there weren't that group after us um, which I feel was was needed they brought that type of player but it was never the characters of, of what we had there. So, um, yeah, I think the bomb we had, I think it was like the, the argument and training was every day um, amongst each other. Um, sometimes that got a bit, went all, a bit over the top at times. Um, but it was all just demands on, mm -hmm. on training well and, and winning games. So it was... Um, it was it was a good good dressing room to be in. Mm -hmm. What was it like winning the Champions League? Had I mentioned the Champions League, so how do you feel that final went, and and what do you remember of it? Um, it was the longest day ever. What was it? Eleven o'clock kickoff. Yeah. Somewhere ridiculous. And um, and like for me, that's an absolute nightmare because them night kickoffs, I don't sleep. Mm -hmm. You don't I, have a little I, nap in the day, no? no? How do you fill your day then? So yeah, what I was, like, do you do? just watching my laptop. I remember. I was watching, I watched Sister Act. Good choice, good choice. <laughs> one or two? Um, one. Mm. No, it's, no, it's two, in Two is the skill one. Yeah, two was, two was, yeah. Just clarify, just, before winning the Champions League, you just sat and watched the Sister Act. That's a good yeah, way to relax. I'll, 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 I'll watch, I'll, if, if I can, I'll put a movie on and mm -hmm. or watch something on YouTube or just to like take my mind off things yeah. and... And whatever, but it, I just remember it's just being the longest day ever, really, and just wanting the game to come. And then, obviously, the when the game came uh, into extra time, so it was, it was again a, a long game. Um, Do you know what you're thinking the through the day, day, watching Sister Act and all, all stuff like that? <laughs> is your mind on the game as well, thinking, are you playing against John Terry and those type of players, how to get the best out of them or yeah, I think get the best against less them? Less so because... You know, we knew Chelsea inside out, so yeah. less so than if it was a foreign team. 
in where you you'll probably be looking at yeah. clips and you'll still know the players, but you won't know them as well as you know the, the Chelsea lad. So we knew what to expect with Chelsea. We knew mm. I knew how they their defenders' strengths, weaknesses inside out as well. So it was um, less so, but. Yeah, I think the important thing was just not to let your mind wander. And um, the big thing I have, I always have it still to this day, is um, I never think about winning the game. I'm always thinking about what happens if we lose and that fear of losing the game. Mm. So it was. it's more about me just trying to control them. Has that been the f um, your favourite trophy that you've won? People might think that's a stupid question, but lots of people say it's their first ever trophy that they win. So what what has been your favourite one? Was your first Premier League be in the same par as that? Yeah, if not better. Um, it's a tough one because your Champions League, you're playing against the the so-called best teams in, in Europe mm. and um, it's a massive trophy, obviously, to win. I just think Premier League growing up, like I, I always look back when I was a kid, watch Champions League, but it's never something... Not your bread and butter. Yeah, I'd, almost. I'd never yeah. thought like I'd love to play in that. I always like Premier League, FA Cup as well. When the FA Cup was for me, my only trophy I seen as a fan was the FA Cup in '95. Mm -hmm. So then to go and captain Man United to win mm -hmm. that first, obviously first time I won it was was a really special moment as well. So they're all different and unique in the different ways. But I think that that first Premier League, Chelsea being on a a run of where they look really strong. So to break that as well and to win that was mm -hmm. special. It was, yeah, I think yeah. if, I, if I could pick one, I'd probably say that. I'm glad you mentioned the FA Cup because obviously in 2008, you won the Champions League and the Premier League, but not the FA Cup, which denied us, and I guess you, the chance at, at a treble. The man sat to your right, obviously has won that. And he's on record as saying he's glad you didn't get it. That's right. <laughs> Not you personally. Do you think you should have had had the FA Cup that year as well, or is, is does that just show how difficult it is to to win everything? Got robbed here. We we knew we should have had it. Um, that's still to this day. I think that Portsmouth game here was, yeah. and I always remember to this day. The biggest mistake the manager made was not putting me in goal. <laughs> I used to practice after yeah. training when I finish all my stuff. I go with the goalie coach. And the keepers, and I go and goal. I practice kicking with the keepers. I practice. Save, Why? Catching. Did you just like it? Yeah, I was just, I was just bored, energetic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had too much energy, but um, so I always remember saying, if the keeper gets sent off anytime, he'd have to put me in. But I think he was worried that I probably wouldn't have saved it. But and then we're one 0 down, so we need me to try and score. So yeah. Um, so why was it Rio? Probably because he was the Tallish, biggest. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then um, it was a poor dive as well, though. But after that game, you know, I think Portsmouth went and played Middlesbrough and Cardiff, I think, or Middlesbrough and Millwall or something like that mm. in the semi final and final. And you're just looking at it thinking, should have been us. And then remember the boss, he didn't, I think it was about two weeks, he didn't speak a word to us. Any of his? No. He knew. Mm. He knew that was the, that was the chance of, yeah. of doing the treble again. So. Um, but I think, in some ways, um, we leave that to, to these lads. <laughs> and, and they... I think you need a, lo a lot of luck as well. But that, that game against Portsmouth, wow. Do you actually never want anybody else to ever win it? Genuinely, I'm being serious. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
<laughs> Love that. Uh, but you did go on, as you said, you captain United, you won the FA Cup and you also then won the Europa League, which means you and Michael Carrick are the only Englishman in history to win the Premier League, the FA Cup, the League Cup, the Champions League, the Europa League and the Club World Cup. That's pretty cool. Did Lamps not do that? Nope. No, I thought he did. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was special for me and Carlos, I think, for the two of us and the FA Cup as well. I, obviously, um, I was captain, but... Um, I always wanted, I always had Michael close to me as well. Um, so any bigger decisions which we needed to to go through or discuss, I'd always speak to Michael first. And um, so when I felt it was only right that we, we both had worked, we both had worked so hard to win the FA Cup and we lost finals. So it was it was nice for the two of us when we won it to lift it together. Although we made a mess of it, we dropped the lid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know where it went actually, but. Um, but on that one, I remember people taking trophies, and so I said, "There's no chance." <laughs> I took the cup home, I took the cup on the coach with me, took it to the party, and I said that the that stays with the players. It's not going anywhere. The next few days, if you want to do whatever they want, that's fine. But so I actually, um, it was great for the kids because it was late again. My kids fell asleep, so um, I woke them up with the cup. Um, and done That's pictures cool. with them in the hotel room Brilliant. that morning and stuff. So it's all like memories and great pictures mm-hmm. we've got then. Um, but it was a we- it was a strange day as well because obviously what was happening to to Louis. Yeah, how aware were you of that as players? I guess because of very aware, fans, yeah. we all um, saw it. When we come off the pitch, it was you couldn't hide from it. Mm-hmm. So it was sad that we won the cup and this was. Something which and shadowed at all. Louis was obviously everyone who could see him. He was a, a great character, mm-hmm. um, and he, you could see he was upset. He was down. I actually went and pulled him in the party after we had with Nick because he was in the corner with his wife and he was really quiet. So I said, "Listen, whatever is going to happen, it's going to happen." I said, "But at the end of the day, you've worked for this. We've worked for this to win this trophy. So just enjoy tonight. Don't let." The rooms, or don't let whatever's going to happen ruin your night because we've worked hard for it. So, but it was it was a strange feeling, mm-hmm. but I think the players certainly enjoyed the evening. What was uh, your relationship with Louis, or with when Mourinho came in, or before that? Obviously, David Moyes again. So once Alex was going, I guess were you thinking this is a new chance here at United because he'd spoken as he retired and saying that you wanted to go again and. That one weren't the case, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> anyway, but it was strange because uh, David Moyes come in and um, he'd actually sued me when I was at Everton. So I was like, "Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, what's going on?" But I'd spoke to him, I think, about five years prior to that because I, I did say some words about him when I left the club. So about five years before he come into the club, I phoned him up. I said, "Listen, I've looked back over what I said, and um, I want to apologise to you. I regret what I said, and I was a young lad and I was a bit emotional and stuff. So he was fine with that. So when he come in, yeah, again there was all rumours about me leaving and stuff. So did he um, get his money back? <laughs> I went to his house actually. I went to the, um, I went to up to Preston into his house to to see him and just clear everything up yeah. and to say, listen, this is the situation, whatever. So obviously, um, stayed, whatever. It was a, a tough season for everyone, I think. And it was always going to be with, I was trying to replace Sir Alex. It was going to be tough. And then Louis come in. Um, for me, Louis was, 
I've said it publicly before, tactically and preparation-wise, it's the best I've, I've ever worked with. Is the way he set the team up, the way the players knew the jobs. He was honest. Um, he didn't leave any doubt on anything. Um, the only problem we had was is he wanted us to attack from a organisation which really stopped a lot of players. The likes of Di Maria, for instance, mm-hmm. um, it was almost impossible for him to go and show her how we wanted to play. So it was tough in, from an attacking point of view. So we got the defensive side right, but it was tough to go and create a lot of chances or score goals. And like for instance, I played number nine with him and he wanted me to have 15 to 20 touches a game. So I was like... <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so that was tough. And he, he was trying, he was changing his philosophy, as he calls it. He was changing that towards the end and we actually were going on a good run asked me and me and Michael Carrick went and spoke to him about changing some of his ways not on the training pitch but off the training pitch and he, um, he was doing that and we were getting um, getting better in that sense but would you like him to stay longer then? I think if he stayed another year I think we would have we would have been a Force challenging, yeah. yeah, I think. You just mentioned Di Maria there. Are there any players or what players during your time that you've been at the club have you been excited about coming and it's not really worked out for them and it's surprised you? Is there players like that or younger players that have come through that you thought that's going to be a new star for the future and it's never really happened for them? Yeah, I think with the younger players, I think obviously it's been well documented about Ravel Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was brilliant in training. Um and then obviously for certain, he had a few issues and it's it stopped his career, really or halted his career. Um, but we all thought he was going to be, you know, top level. And I think everyone could see them issues were going to be there. And I think quite a few people tried to... Mm-hmm. to Did you speak to him? To start, I spoke to him, yeah. Um, I remember I smashed his phone up actually at one point. Um, you come, smashed his phone. He come in the first team dressing room when he was in the reserves, and my phone was on charge, and he took it off and put his on. So I come in. It was remember the old Blackberries, and yeah. it has the email address on the front. So I thought it was one of the other lads. So when I seen it, it was one of the reserve players at the time. I just smashed his phone. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think everyone did. I think I yeah. Neville was trying to get him to go and live with him as well. So there was different things and what people were trying, but. So that's the one player that comes to your mind when from you, you ask that from question. From the academy, yeah. Um, what about players who've been bought by the club? Yeah, I think the likes of Di Maria, Falcao, mm-hmm. these types of players who big reputations. But I get at the time they didn't do they weren't good enough. They didn't do well enough. But there's also other reasons, as I was mentioning before. At the time, it was going to be difficult for. Mm-hmm. Any attacking player there, the way we, we were set mm-hmm. up and playing. Who's the, be- who's the best player you've played with? Scaldi, I think. Um, obviously, Ronaldo, who's gone on to yeah. be, um, you know, him and Messi, probably the best two players ever to play yeah. the game. But I just think at the time, Scaldi was, was brilliant. Um, things he could do with the ball, and he obviously weren't the quickest, but so sharp, you couldn't get near him. And, um, I remember knowing the, the back end of my career. I'm gonna. I knew I'd go back into midfield. So I remember like almost studying him and watching him in training yeah. and games. And 
So it was it was brilliant for me firsthand to to watch him to, to, to watch him and, and you know to learn learn. What, from what him. is it? What is it that sets Scalzi apart from other players? Is I think it, just did you have a telepathic <laughs> thing between us as well that you just knew and he just knew where you were going to be? Um, yeah, I'd say probably more with Giggsy. I had that. I think Giggsy tried. Giggsy would give the ball away quite a bit, um, but it was always trying to yeah, play yeah, yeah. players in, and I, I loved that. I love something mind, yeah, players giving the ball away to trying things. So it was more with Giggsy, I'd say. Um, I had that because I knew when Giggsy got in, found head, I could make him run. He'd always try it. Scold, he was more about controlling the game for us. And, yeah. Um, you know, he was brilliant, uh, which things which you'll probably see it, but the fans probably won't see mm. is, you know, he's, he's letting players come on to him, he's drawing them out of the game. And so the small things which he'd do, which um, for the team was, was just priceless. Now, I don't want to do this, but we have to finish. We've got to let you go. So I'm going to ask you one last question because during all, right, all well, of this... I might have had another one. No, yeah. did, you'll you'll appreciate it. Let me get there. During all of this, we've barely even talked about actual games. So will you come back on and do a part two at some point? It doesn't... If it's in six months or, or a year, whenever, at some point, would you be able to come again? Because we've talked about so much stuff, but we haven't even talked about actual matches. Would that be yeah. okay? Yeah, I'll do I'll do a part two. Yeah, that's no problem. You're an absolute dream. Wayne, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. As everybody calmed down now, I know you two were absolutely livid that I stopped our conversation there. And I think people listening might be just as annoyed that it just suddenly stops. But I've been getting endless messages from uh, producer Matt saying, you need to, we need to finish, we need to finish, we need to finish. I did get him to promise to do another one. I know, but the moment's gone. Sam. Well, we, will, we won't blame you then. We'll blame Tasker, but we did stop so abruptly. There's so much more to a- ask. It was, it was endless questions to keep adding he'd been I don't, so for about 10 minutes he'd been saying you've got to stop you've got to stop you've got to stop well he didn't he didn't tell the group that did he he obviously just texted you that he was he was waving at me it was from where I was sat to where he was he was waving at me giving me the the, the finger signal to stop yeah different one to that matey <laughs> it was so good but I was so disappointed when it finished because we had so many questions so much really. more to, I know me and Ellen had so many good good, good questions I know. But yeah, Sam cuts it short again, as he normally does. <laughs> so sorry. Sam. Anyway, uh, what was your thoughts on it? Oh, it was amazing, wasn't it? it was I loved brilliant. when he said uh, he knew he was the best player at Everton when he was 16. That was that was quite a statement. Yeah, that's, that was really good. Yeah. You've got all the senior pros there and, you know, hey, and who, who could judge him? He probably was the best player. Just that you can't even argue with it, can you? He just probably, he probably was. Phenomenal player. Also... You two will know more about this than me, probably. But I was really surprised by his um, revelation about the possibility of going to Newcastle and that being a one-year deal only, with Newcastle agreeing that if United came in that year later, he would go. I'd never imagined that a club would accept something like that. I haven't really heard of that sort of situation no. before, unless it's a loan for a year, if you may say. No, nothing at all. No. And it'd have been for the same fee as well. I just couldn't. Yeah. I just yeah. couldn't get my head around it why you would do that, but no. the club came in and did what they had to do, and mm-hmm. the rest is history. I think it's one of those situations where they say, "Well, we're better off having one year of Wayne Rooney than no years of Wayne Rooney." Mm. Nicely put, Sam. What time he did something right? Nice mantra for life. Mm. Better um, with a year of Rooney <laughs> than none. Better. That's like having part one, isn't it? Really. Yeah, At least we've got part one. We won't get part yeah. two. Will we ever get part two now that he that's is it. player manager of Derby? Exactly. Yeah, that's a, what a twist that was. 
Oh, I didn't even get to ask him about that either. No, I asked him off off camera. Yeah, what did he say, Maisie? I can't tell you, Tom. Not do you. <laughs> <laughs> when he said he wanted to come to Manchester United to work with Sir Alex, I thought that was really nice. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's one of those things that I think people talk about now. The idea of like managers having pull and stuff, but it just I don't think the world exists in the way it did. 10 years ago even, that people like... So Alex Ferguson was an icon beyond, I think, what any manager has now. By far. Yeah. Yeah, By definitely. far, yeah. I think the fact that you probably don't get very many managers in life that people want to go to a club just to play for the manager rather than the club. That can't happen very often. Now, I'm sure he did want to go and play for Manchester United as well, but his point was he wanted to go and play for Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. There can't be very many players. I'm just going to pause to make sure this is recording because I forgot to put my voice memos on. Flip's sake. There's no waves. There's no, there's no waves. Why is no one talking? Because we're all absolutely, <laughs> like, thinking, what the hell have you been doing for the last 10 minutes? Oh, there's a wave when I... Uh, yeah, oh, it's back. It's back. The waves are back. They weren't there a second ago. Okay. I think it's quite ironic that we are actually all at home doing this post-chat because Wazza had to do uh, other stuff. So that's why the whole podcast was uh, cut short. So here mm-hmm. we are a few yeah. days later. And we've got new microphones. We've all got new mics, yeah. We now are up to Sam's standard with our flashy microphones. What shows like? I feel like I'm in a recording studio. Let's have a look. Mine's this one. Look at this one. Mine's a little doody one. You've got a little... Oh, why did you get a little it? cheap one? It's not cheap. Mine, <laughs> mine's, for, mine's for me phone. Me, me, me phone. Oh, your iPad? Yeah. His was £10 more. Ah, so there oh, you go. £10 uh, pounds more. Oh, there, go. oh, there we go. As long as it still picks up the beer machine, I don't mind. <laughs> it was 11 quid, mine. Bargain. I was just going to say, can you think of many managers that players want to play for? Interesting debate, rather than just the club. Who in your day, Maisie? Obviously, Sir Alex Ferguson, but apart from him, I would I would like to have managed uh, or been managed under Brian Clough. That would have mm-hmm. been interesting. Yeah, and also probably Sir Bobby Robson. Yeah, they they were two huge legends um, back in the nineties. Do you know what? I love this little debate that I've started. Though yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start this on my social media platforms. <laughs> Didn't know what you were going to say I'm joking. Then. I say that I'm really important. I'm not. Um, but I do like that debate. Anyway, sorry, Sam, what were you going to say? I was going to ask uh, Maisie how he would have reacted. Isn't, there's that famous story of um, Brian Clough punching Roy Keane and sort of knocking him to the ground at half time because he hit a back pass too soft. It got cut out and someone scored. How would you have reacted to getting uh, one on the jaw from a manager? Uh, total shock. <laughs> I, I, I mean... Going back 15 years, I did get head-butted off the manager at Burnley, which was... Um, did you? Yeah, which was total shock. Yeah, you told us so, that story so before, told, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Was that whose podcast was that in? That was in my own. No. No? It wasn't. Was it not? It was... Oh, do you know what? It wasn't a podcast. You were just telling myself and Luke Chadwick about it. Ah, right, When yeah. we were in the studio one time. Yeah. Ooh, football friends. Sorry. Yeah. Happy birthday to schools today, your bestie, by yeah. the way, Sam. Little Archie. Yeah, 47. Have you sent him a message? Yeah, of course I have. Yeah. He sent Did he reply? Day. He was like, it's my big day. Did you get me a cake? <laughs> uh, also, who wouldn't have wanted to see him go in goal? Do you think that would have made a difference against Portsmouth if he'd gone in goal instead of Rio? Because he seemed pretty confident he'd have saved that yeah. penalty. Well, looking at Rio's, Rio's dive, mm-hmm. it was a little bit of a, a Mo Salah dive. 
<laughs> but anyway. Interesting when he also said, not just about wanting to play for Sir Alex, but he also mentioned that he wanted to go and play to impress Keane and Giggs. I'm sure mm-hmm. that's something that a lot of players felt at that time, Maisie. Yeah. It's, I mean, those two are obviously huge characters and you still see Keeney mm-hmm. now the way he is. And he's, he's not changed one bit. He's not mellowed one bit. That's how he is in the dressing room. And for Wayne to come into the dressing room at, what, 16, 17? It must have been quite daunting for him. But also, I think that, that, that says a huge thing and a huge respect to what Keeney mm-hmm. and Giggsy were like. Yeah. So It's so easy to understand that, isn't it, as a fan, to think, of course that's who you want to impress. Those are the people you want, like... Like if you went now, you'd want to be knocking one two with Bruno Fernandez and have him thinking you you add something to this team. Yeah, I, re- I remember coming into United as well and thinking, you know, not to not to try and impress, but don't let them down to a certain extent. You know, Eric, Keeney, Brucey, Pally, Schmikes, you know, you're stepping up to the a huge level and you don't want to let them guys down. So yeah, I suppose mm. very similar to what what we were thinking. Excellent podcast all around. Yes, I it was good. Love that one. Loved it, but would have liked it to last longer. Should we do some emails? Emails. Francis Farnworth says, Hi guys, really enjoy the show. Keep up the good work. Would love to hear from Barry Boy, Gary Neville in the future, or perhaps someone can finally muster up the courage to ask Roy Keane to come in. Cheers, Francis from Barry. Well, we did have the perfect opportunity for Helen to ask Keeney, but she uh, bottled it. Next uh, email, Sam. Leonardo Montoya. <laughs> hey, Helen, Sam, sorry, amazing. No, 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 <laughs> If you were out for a walk, Sam, minding your own business, and Roy Keane came towards you with two yeah. dogs, having a little walk, it's lockdown, people need their own space, would you have approached him? I'd have probably cried. You wouldn't have approached him. I imagine if he was walking along with his dogs, if his eyes fix on me, I'm just terrified. Yep. Maisie, you've known him. Yeah. For twenty years, and you still have not asked him. I've not seen him. <laughs> I've not seen him. I don't. I don't live in the, you know, the leafy suburbs. Why did he come for a walk with me one morning? And ah. We'll see if we can see him. <laughs> a keeny hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. I interrupted you there. That's okay. Um, so it says, my name is Leo, and I'm a Manchester United supporter from Texas. I enjoy listening to the podcast and all the stories from former and current players. I love learning more about the history of the club and how there's more of a family aspect than in other clubs. I'd love to hear from Tim Howard, Jonathan Spector, or Chicharito, Javier Hernandez, maybe in the future. Can't wait for Yarl's next episode, Leonardo. One, I love that he said Yarl. Two, I'd really like to do Tim Howard and Jonathan Spector and Javier Hernandez. All of those would be great guests. Maisie, Texas accent for us. Go. Hey, Yarl. Oh, look at this email. David Whelan says, just thought Maisie might like this photo taken in Drogheda in Ireland in 1992 when he was with Blackburn. With a smile on my face, I obviously knew he was going to be a red. Love the show. All cracking interviews. Any chance of saying hello to my three kids, Gavin, Chloe and Erin, who are all big United and Drogheda supporters. Keep up the good work. Thank you. All right, Gavin. All right, Chloe. Erin, how are you? Look at that photo. Dave? Maisie, look at that hairdo. I am not entirely convinced that is a smile, if I'm honest. I think it looks more like a grimace. He's just trying to hold his pencil properly. Yes. You are. What did you just say? (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to hold your pencil properly. That's just the way I write left-handed. That's it. You know. Are you left-handed? Oh, I've only known you for the last 15 years. You've never noticed? No. When have I ever seen you write? 
Drogheda. Drogheda. It's in Ireland. Yeah, I know where it is. Thank you, David Whelan, for that. Cheers, Dave. Uh, one last one from Carrie Buckner, who says, Hi, I'm a relatively new listener to the podcast from Pittsburgh um, in the US, but I've been a long-time follower of United. I just wanted to say that I really appreciate and love this podcast. The insight players give is enjoyable to hear. I can also say it's refreshing to see them in such an open and relaxed presentation. I would absolutely be thrilled if y'all, we've got another y'all, could get y'all. the man you've hey, He has been one of my favourite <laughs> players at United. I used to play football throughout my youth and primarily thrived as a centre-back thrived guys his complex nature leadership qualities and strength resonated with me if I had ever become a professional I would have wanted to embody Vidic's character I'd love to hear him speak in depth about his time at United and his career in general I know it's a long shot but I thought I'd try putting in my request all the best Carrie Carrie thank you so much for your request and we'll get on it I think we'd all love to have Vidic on the show yes we would cheers Carrie guys that is it for another week good to catch up with you all Thank you, listeners, if you have made it all the way to the end. Remember, if you want to get in touch, it's the usual way. Email unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk. That address is in the notes for this episode if you need it. Also, a reminder that you can watch the box set of us if you have nothing better to do. It's um, on MUTV on Friday evenings. And we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.